welcome everyone. My name is Austin Vetsman. I'm here with an entirely new potential monthly format of that we're gonna call maybe final stint, I'd say. Um, kind of the premise for this is gonna be more of the review of fun sports car in broader motorsports world. Um, and just a general recap of that, so races, news, and kind of our our thoughts uh, and opinions um, from a couple Americans. And I say a couple, um, because as you can tell my sultry uh, accent, um, I'm going to be joined by a fellow American, uh, Chris Washer, uh, Chris Washer 97. Uh, Chris, um, welcome. Um, and before you introduce yourself a little bit with this... Um, yeah, I think this this did kind of stem from us wanting to do something more um, uh, schedule based, so that we can have some more reliability uh, to the endurance chat um, platform. Uh, sometimes I know the Aussie guys have kind of done something similar um, in Down Under World. Um, we're gonna there there might be some non motorsport related stuff, but. I think me and Chris have enough thoughts and opinions and just cool little topics that we can get lost on enough in the motorsport world that we'll probably stick almost primarily to motorsports, but it might not be everything that we want to talk about um, in an episode that we'll have to do with sports cars. So, but yeah, uh, without kind of further ado, uh, Chris, welcome. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fairly well, except it's it's been pretty hot in the Green Bay metropolitan area, but I'm surviving. Uh, yeah, this is basically kind of stemmed from uh, Flood and Cook, uh, Kiwi Chris's uh, for, uh, grand, the grandstand, I believe is what they call it. And we kind of want to do something similar, maybe talk something, um, maybe more so motorsport basis. I believe theirs is kind of like general conversation. We'll have some of that. But, you know, it'll be you know, Americans talking, so there'll be some NASCAR stuff, maybe... Some F1 indie car, basically just we'll, we'll we'll talk about some sports car stuff that may not get its own special episode, but we're also touch on you know some other stuff that I thought was interesting or Cookie thought was interesting and you know things we thought that maybe you would find interesting. Yeah, that's and that's a great that's a great point, and I think that was a distinction too for for us that we wanted to make with this as well is that um, you know uh, the guys down under they've got they've got their own cool, interesting stuff. And I learned a lot uh, when I listened to that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of Americans, especially if you're an American sports car fan and you're like really into it. Um, you know, it encompasses way more than just the American European sports car scene, because I, you know, again, the, I've said this in a, a bunch of endurance chat podcasts uh, episodes where it's just like uh, in America, if you, if you end up an endurance uh, racing fan, you're, you don't, you don't ever start an endurance racing fan. I mean, I, at least I don't ever like, that's just never the unique experience, or at least the ones that are as passionate and as dedicated to the sport uh, year after year is that I find, especially in the subreddit and the discord chats. Um, you know, those are the guys that, uh, they're just, they're constantly involved in that. And I think, you know, that's really where we're trying to bring, uh, I don't know, just a perspective of the, like, the American side where we're, we're interested in pretty much anything that's going on, especially it's got, a, you know, an engine and four wheels attached to it, like RSLX to do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be fun. 
And uh, yeah, this is just a general because this is the first time we're doing it. So this is long winded kind of intro to it. Um, but yeah, we got we we obviously have a sponsor to to um, to mention as well, uh, the Racing Line, um, which is a great notification app. Um, and so we'll we'll get that ad out of the way. We'll- if you're following plenty of motorsport series like I do, you've probably run into trouble with calendars, time zone conversions, and most importantly, missing the start of racing you want to watch. That's why I use the Racing Line app. The Racing Line is your customizable motorsport calendar, giving you up-to-date schedules on all the racing you care about with all major motorsport series covered. Use the day or week view to check out what's on and plan for those busy weekends ahead. The Racing Line allows you to set customizable notifications for events, giving you enough time to get yourselves ready for the racing you want to watch, or for me, to get the race threads ready. Plus, it's all converted into your local time zone, so there's no getting caught out by bad mental maths or daylight saving changes around the world. Find out more at theracingline.app or search The Racing Line on the iOS store. Thank you to The Racing Line for sponsoring this podcast. Racing line. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, yeah. It, it, it's also very – because there's so much motorsport happening nowadays, especially especially since COVID happened. Everything's kind of been bunching up. Uh, we can kind of still feel the effects of that, of calendars. Uh, not, uh, not as quite as normal yet, especially at the WEC and, you know, logistics issues and – so it's with everything changing and maybe not every date equity is not the same as it was used to. Uh, so it's 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 a very important tool to keep track of what's happening, uh, which week, and what what time. Yeah, I mean, the amount of times that I will Google on my phone just on the basic browser, um, you know, whatever racing series such and such countdown or like time time EST or something like that, and I just have to. I have to like fingers crossed, hopefully find a site that has something that's accurate and not be misled or go to the Reddit site somehow and try to find their countdown uh, for Formula One, for instance. So there's just a few times where I'm like, I don't really know. This is taking a lot of effort to just try to find out what time to wake up for or to like, you know, pay, start paying attention to the TV kind of deal. So no, this is, it's a, it's an awesome app, especially for, following a lot of different series that we'll get into too that we're doing a ton of so anyway all that aside uh again long-winded intro but welcome um and yeah so hopefully this will be something that we can continue to maintain um and just kind of like we've always done with endurance chat like we'll just we'll keep seeing this through um we got nothing else better to do um but if we could kind of make this more of a end of the month deal final stint of the month per se ooh, yeah maybe that um ooh. That, uh, you know, that it's just something to get more more of our uh, feelings off our chest. Because I know we, we tend to clog up, so I do at least, clog up voice chats in the Discord channels during races uh, with being long-winded, trying to get a bunch of topics out. So, uh, But anyway, let's start. Um, we can start with IMSA because um, Endurance Chat really hasn't covered anything yet with that. And, uh, you know, we haven't sort of either. <laughs> Um, just, just, uh, I'm being two part, parts of endurance chat, but there's been a lot of, uh, rounds in IMSA and a lot of different swings. Well, primarily sprint rounds, uh, Chris, um, mm-hmm. and I, I guess from where we're standing right now, um, how do you rate the championships, both the sprint round, let's just say the NEC and the regular season IMSA championships, 
Um, where, where, how do you see all three of those right now, or at least as they have stacked up? Well, um, the sprint round for GTD has uh, been won by Paul Miller Racing, mm-hmm. even though uh, that which is excellent. Nice to know they can come out this season with the trophy since they did miss the 24 hours of Daytona, waiting on a new shipment of their M4. Uh, obviously, I believe their first win was Long Beach and had other successes as well. Um, the sprint cha- the sprint cup, though, is going to be gone next year. That's also something we missed is the state of the series address that they made at the Road America round on the Friday of the weekend. Well, other changes were, uh, well, we'll look at the changes after the, after we discuss what happened in IMSA already this year before going on to next year. Uh, but yeah, the championship for DPI, it really looks between uh, the uh, number, uh, number 10, Wayne Taylor Racing, number 60, Meyer Shank Racing, Acuras. It's really been just Acuras all down the line. Uh, I mean, you. let's take a look. They won Watkins Glen. They won Road America. The only time they've won was at uh, Mosport. In, but since we've really talked about IMSA since the Glen. Mm-hmm. And they're currently the closest Cadillac is third overall in the championship. What looks to be... Trying to make out this math here. I want to say more than a hundred points back. I don't know. Yeah. IMSA's point system is so confusing. Nice. It's normally best to wait until Petit Lama where they talk about the championship. Then, then you'll find out what the championship picture is. Yep. Yep. Um, but I don't know, from, from my smooth brain analysis, it's uh, <laughs> between the two Acuras. Yeah. And then, uh, so for, didn't, didn't Acura lock up the uh, manufacturer's championship too? I, I don't know on that. I would presume they would. They haven't. Really, I think they, I think really they just have to season. show up. I think it's like they they start and they basically win it. I think that's how it works. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's it's really looked, um, uh, you know, at Watkins Glen and then Road America and Mosport. Like you know, uh, I I would say right now that with the BOP, the Acura is the better car. It's just uh, you know the cat. You can't count the caddy out. And I you know I think it will still do well at Petite. You know they'll probably give it a buff or something um, by Petit, but um, actually I don't even. I, I think do they have BOP tables out yet for Petit? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think so because yeah. we have about a month of Delta Petit. Yeah. So our next episode will be a focus on Petit. Yeah, yeah. Um, might even have might. Well, yeah, it might be live because uh, I'll, be, I'll be at the track. I'll I'll try to do or a little that. or a little bit earlier of an episode, but well. Mm, I don't know, man. I'd like to do a live one. That'd be kind of fun. Oh. That'd be cool. I'll have to try to find a, a decent headset, and we'll just try to do it uh, when I'm at the at the campsite. But, yeah. Live on um, location at Petite. The Glen was interesting. If you don't know, they had a uh, – there's a similar incident that took the – I believe the Carbon car out, out of a round. I believe they didn't get to run most sport because LMP2s um, – I believe it was LMP2s, or at least prototypes, uh, went three. Two of them were side-by-side, side and they went alongside the Lamborghini, and it made a little bit of contact with each other and took out the Lamborghini into the boot. Um, LMP3s, I believe. Was it LMP3s? Okay. Um, 
that that they, that race also had a lightning delay, which we all love. Luckily, they're able to I believe they got like the last twenty minutes to race under green, and there was a pretty decent run to the end. And then literally the weekend after, they had Mo Sport, which was uh, it was an all right race. I believe it was a battle between what is it, the number one Cadillac in the sixty. Uh, correct. Um, yeah, because the number 10, I believe, had some issues, a, a puncture or incident mm-hmm. on track. Um, yeah, puncture. Then they had, was it Lime Rock, which was actually pretty uneventful. It was probably the most uneventful race um, this year, or, or at least since the Glen, until the caution came out for, I don't know, I can't remember what the caution came out for, but that was when... Uh, Philip Ellis ran out of gas, or at least it was, I think it was Philip Ellis in the car, mm-hmm. ran out of gas in the windward car, and I believe led Paul Miller to the win? Ooh, that I don't know. Um, yeah, Paul Miller in the BMW. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they I... had started from the back, I believe, at that in that race too or they had started pretty precariously far back or the strategy had messed them up too so that was a pretty good resurgence for that team and then I want to say they won overall in that race for somehow uh, for some reason I'm I thinking they won overall same as uh, I believe the windward car won VIR that was also overall mm-hmm. but then you had Road America Road if if you haven't watched, I would say Road America is the must-watch IMSA race. Well, it, it ended under caution, so that kind of bumps it down, bumps the rating down a little bit. Basically, it started off wet, and it was kind of like the, in this limbo of dry track, wet track. It was kind of, it was just it what it wasn't really. It was it was a mixture of conditions, and what was crazy is that when the all the uh, DPIs went out on slicks, except for the five, the JDC car, and you see all these other DPIs getting passed by LMP3s. I don't think, like, I don't think we have seen that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, it was. I mean, it was awesome to see the. Uh, the weather conditions kind of change and to vary a lot more than the teams thought. So you saw um, a lot of different strategies like play out real time on whether or not that would be, you know, effective or not. Um, uh, and it, a lot of gambles. And I, I really like that. It shook a lot of things up. Uh, I mean, we were talking at one point, uh, I think the five was out front by like almost a lap on, on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just the way that that all then panned out, then they ended up not being on the right strategy and falling off. It was just, it but, was such a crazy back and forth. And then they had, a, then there's a cost. And I believe it was the Rally Motorsports LMP3 got mm-hmm. off in the final section of the track and hit a, I want to say a GT car. I don't remember which car exactly he hit, but then obviously that equalized the playing field. And then we had the final moments where, I believe it was, was it the 60 chasing down? Because we had a DPI chasing down a car, and they went off in the kink, 
and then they obviously they lost control of the car and hit the inside wall massively, but they're still able to keep on going. Like the 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 car still ran. Yeah, that so was Meyer Shank, I believe. Yeah, that I remember it being a pink car, and they ran it all the way to the end because the race finished under caution. Because obviously, if they pitted, they were going to lose position. Mm-hmm. And being that near end of the race, it was a safe bet to, to assume it was going to finish under yellow. So that's why, like, if you if you see the table, I was a little dumbfounded at first. Like, if you see the fourth place position there, it, it's really quite crazy. Yeah, that especially that they didn't rupture any of the any any lines, hydraulic or brake brake lines, anything like that. That was potentially stored. I know that there's canisters for some of that stuff in there, and it just center punched it just perfectly enough where it didn't uh, just crumpled enough of the carbon fiber and left enough going, especially didn't puncture the tires or ruin any of the suspension. It seemed like, um, but uh, yeah, that was that was unreal. And again, it's just. Ain't, you know, intermittent conditions, Road America, uh, I mean, it just always seems to happen, and you always just seem to get these bonkers races that just kind of thrill you through, like, a good majority of the race. Like, it's just a solid race, regardless of what, what who's on track, just let alone the fact that they're just trying to dodge, uh, you know, traffic on the wrong tires. So, yeah, I, I again, I... Like I wish I Watkins, I Watkins, but I wish Elkhart Lake had more uh, had more hours to it every single year. I don't think it's not even good. It's not like I said. It's not even long enough to walk that track um, and try to watch all all kinds of viewing angles uh, that you can um, mm-hmm. for the entire race. And I, I mean, I feel like if if you're going to promote an endurance series and endurance cars, endurance racing, you should at least have it so that the fans even can briskly walk around most of the entire area and see a race, an endurance race from different spots. Like, I feel like that's the whole point. Like, if you're going to have an endurance race, you take your time and, like, make it to place that you don't normally get to. But there you're just like, I mean, I don't know. There's been a few times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to join myself, and it's like 30 minutes to go. I'm like, well, gosh, if I want to watch at the front stretch, watch the end, or do I want to just, like, hang out here? But anyway, <laughs> I love uh, love Road America. Me, me personally, I always try to find something with the screen. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. I was, my first, my first race there was a NASCAR race in nineteen, and I was like, we we went there. Basically, we arrived as the Trans Am race went on. If you know anything about NASCAR weekend at Road America, uh, the supports start way earlier than one would like to be. They, I believe, they start like eight a.m. local, um, which me, miss my aunt who I was taking wasn't really too fond of since she worked night shifts but we went there we got there around 10 we saw the last of the first trans am race and there's no screens at the front stretch and we were told to go and turn five which is obviously one of the prime viewing spots and something we didn't regret um that i I, that never really bothered me like having like going to the front stretch to see the checkered because if i have a screen uh, and but then turn five, like you, there's multiple places you can go around that corner. That's excellent viewing spots, especially if you go up on the hill on the outside of five, where you can basically see them coming out of um, not Canada corner, but Billy Mitchell Bend, and into mm-hmm. the final corner, then up the hill up to the checkers, and then you'll see them obviously in turn five, and you'll get an excellent view of the screen to just faces like right towards you. Um, it's, it's, it's excellent. Um, and then $2.50 
uh, corn on the cob behind you? Never actually got one of those. Oh, they're good. Never I bring, usually bring a toothpick, but they're oh, so good. I don't think my cholesterol likes if I get like those uh the like was it the grilled cheeseburger or whatever it's called yeah yeah the yeah the, yeah this the something gear like the gear uh, the, the the gearbox melt gearbox that's melt. what that's it's it. called yeah I've yep. only had it once and I'll I don't think my body would like me to have it ever again I, uh, <laughs> I'll always tell that famous story of the like because they repaid all of it now but where the where the paddock was they had like a concession stand place and it just had it had different stuff there but like they served pie and, and literally would ask you if you wanted a dollop of ice cream with your pie and it was home-baked pie from some local some i don't know like shriners or something like that and they were just making pies and they just it literally was just like it came out of a diner and you would just like buy it out of a diner and eat it and it was just like it was the most wisconsin thing ever because it was just like you're at a racetrack and you just you buy just a wedge of apple pie with a dollop of ice cream on it, and it's like ten thirty in the morning on a Saturday. It's just like, uh, dude, what, what in the hell, what in the hell? That place is just like magical, not for your not for your heart, but uh, for your soul. <laughs> but anyway, uh, IMSA, yeah. So we'll be uh, we'll be chatting either live at Petite or we'll do it a little bit before, and we'll. We'll talk a little bit more about um, the final round of IMSA's 2022 season uh, for the uh, Mitchell Endurance Cup and also just the uh, overall cup uh, championship. So any yeah. extra thoughts you want to say on IMSA or anything of note? I was going to say, let's go from America's National Park of Speed to America's National Resort mm. of Speed. Uh, we, we just had a round at VIR just, what, three days ago? Ah, yes. Um, How could I forget VR? Um, another GT only round, a much better GT only race than Lime Rock Park. Uh, I would, I would have to say, uh, GTD Pro uh, had something interesting going on. You, even if, if those are scraps within the six car field, GTD, uh, G, the regular GTD always seems to just have a battle in them. Basically, everywhere during the race. There's always seemed to be at least some sort of a battle going on, some sort of fight, which was which was nice. It, it was a lot, lot, lot more battling, more more exciting than what was produced at Lime Rock, in my opinion. Um, did you did you happen to catch any of the IMSA race? Yes. Yep. A lot of good overtakes. A lot of good overtakes. Um, you know, uh, Faf uh, will never be denied. But um, no, I thought I thought for strategy too. Um, definitely saw. Uh, just different strengths and weaknesses for other people's strategies. So you, you you saw on track passes, but you know a lot of it was strategy based too. Um, but yeah, always always great racing at VIR, and the weather was was good too. It looked like it was an awesome day. I would have you know looked like anybody who was there probably enjoyed themselves greatly. <laughs> but um, yeah, how did how did you like the race? I'm I, I I'm gonna probably watch the last hour again. Mainly because, um, unfortunately, the last hour did coincide with the restart of the cup race, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so I was kind of more focused on the cup race on my second screen because I was kind of like, that was kind of where all the action was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, all the con- any, any controversy in the racing world is going to happen. There, I was just kind of more tuned into that. But what I did see uh, was was excellent um, and. Faf once again winning a race, um, but pretty hard. 
Well, before I say any uh, things so confidently, let's take a look at what the drivers' championship is. Yeah, they they got. I think they got GT, GTD Pro kind of unlock for the overall championship. Yeah, I'd agree. They're only they're only third in the endurance cup, though. Yeah, they uh, they didn't have a great quote unquote great Sebring. Um, yeah, I see. That it says they're fifth in Sebring, mm-hmm. so. but they won the they won the Rolex and they got third at the Glen, so they're making up for it. That's true. Yeah, it's it, it'll be a a tight finish too. I mean, Rizzi should be there to uh, to contend as well, and they're uh, they're sitting second in the uh, Mitchell Endurance Cup. Uh, standings behind Corvette at 27 points. They're at 25 and Fast at 24. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very tight going into the last round. I don't know what the car count's going to be, but I would assume six, at least seven, maybe eight. Uh, yeah, it'll be. It would be nice to see more cars potentially. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that that championship's pretty wide open, and I I like to see a Porsche. Ferrari Corvette battle going into last round. It'd be excellent. Now, hold on. Now, uh, we got some new cars on the other side of the pond that got debuted. That's also going to be an IMSA next year. Uh, Ferrari. Uh, Porsche, we saw more looks of. Acura made its official unveiling. Cadillac, it's every almost every single brand that's been that's going to race next year has uh, showed us their kit um, for next season. Uh, mainly, um, the hype, uh, obviously LMH for w- uh, WEC, uh, P- no, excuse me, uh, Peugeot, Ferrari. In Toyota, with a possible possible a soda, Francini. I don't know. I'm American. <laughs> I'm supposed to pronounce foreign things wrong. Yep. Um, and that that's with a what a bespoke. I think that's supposed to. I think that's going to be with a hybrid William Williams activation. I believe that's what's called. It's working on it as well. Um. and then you have you know. Let's see, Cadillac with the LMDH, Porsche, um, among other things. And they got IMSA-only ones like Acura and the BMW. The BMW, I want to say this might be a hot take. B, if, if, if we're talking how it, compare, how it looks compared to road cars, if you when you take any of these prototypes, if when you take the skin off, when you take... The paint scheme, the livery, the wrap, whatever you want to call it. Which one is going to be the most recognizable? Which one BMW. would you say? Yeah, you look at the you look at the BMW as like, oh, I can tell that that's a BMW. Like that's supposed to be a BMW. Yeah, like it has the the sniff the sniffer look. Like that's iconic. Mm-hmm. The the others you can make an argument. It's like if you take all the skin off, if you don't, if you don't, if you take all the cues off of the car, just leave it bare bones. It's a lot harder to tell, at least for the casual fan, just to to know what brand it's supposed to be. Yeah, cough cough. Persia will ignore that, but yeah, I agree. 
I mean, I, I, I agree. And it looks the most radical and it, it looks the most like it's, uh, it's real going, um, you know, resemblance, I would say. And dare I say, it reminds me of Mazda's effort when they entered DPI and, um, and that car definitely resembles a lot of the Mazda, uh, design elements that I, you definitely see in the car. So, you know, that for sure, uh, I, I think it, that it ticks some boxes, um, and it's interesting too because I'm looking at uh, Daily Sports Car. Shout out to DailySportsCar.com. Um, they've got their Hypercar GT lineup almost complete. Uh, what they did, they did in July uh, 21st, just kind of going over all the cars and stuff. And and I'm kind of like going over through it. I'm like, oh well, you can make an argument all for this, but I was looking at specifically at Ferrari, and I'm like, oh well, you know, the one rendering I have, like, yeah, like it, it does look generic, but. There's definitely you can you can see the new Ferrari, which I'm not still used to that that model yet. Um, you can see it in the front, but then you know, oh well, they covered up the headlights, and uh, you know, so you can't really see what it fully looks like. And I was like, dang it, I just I just drew myself into the stupid headlight thing, man. <laughs> you know, like literally just as a knee jerk reaction to you saying that. And I'm like, oh, you know, well this is different, but I'm like, oh, well it's because I can't see the headlights, and oh darn it, now it's because of the headlights. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think the BMW just in general looks um, uh, in terms of brand uniqueness where you're like, do you take everything off and you're like, Oh, what, what kind of car is this? You'd be like, it's a BMW. The Peugeot definitely looks unique, but would you say it looks like a Peugeot? I don't know. I, I we haven't, you know, America doesn't have Peugeots here. So I can't say if that, if that's the new style, but um, I don't know. It reminds me more of the Nissan kind of thing where you, you saw the, that, that little U at the front of it, that lip. Cause that's a, that's a famous, kind of it's like a des- skyline sort of thing yeah right? it, it, gtr yeah it, it's a it's a it's a design feature of all nissans like literally all the newer nissan especially that chrome that they used on the uh on the dpi like if you if straight up if you look at all their suvs the ultimate all that stuff you see that like little vu thing with the nissan logo in the middle so that's kind of what the peugeot reminds me I, i'm sure if i see some peugeot cars there's going to be some resemblance to that but yeah, the BMW. And this is not. And this is not this towards. No, this is this is all for, just beauty contests right now. Yeah, like, this, it's just a beauty contest, and these cars weren't meant to, you know, look like the cars on the road. As far as I know, there's provisions for actual, you know, you know what the public perceives as hypercar, right? Like your Valkyries and your and Lof and stuff like that. They're just not doing it. They're just making purpose-built race cars. Um, and the BMW just happens to be the most closest looking to what you see on the road in terms of styling features. I mean, I, like I would be shocked if, if one of these OEMs doesn't make some, some kind of homage, kind of like how Toyota did it um, where there's a car that is, you know, either it's a, a track day car or it's, it's limited, limited quality purpose built, blah, blah, blah. But like some, some nod to these racing programs and these kind of designs. Cause I, I think even though there might not be right now a look for some of this stuff, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you see some of these, these racing now characteristics in the, you know, how the bodies look and all that incorporated into something more performance related for these brands. I mean, I, it would shock me to not see some of this stuff potentially rub off, even though it is in a homologated BOP, kind of regulation, the uniqueness of these chassis still, I think, renders you to go, okay, well, 
you know, I wonder if Cadillac will do something Knight Rider-esque with, uh, you know, like a performance car that's rear-engined and, uh, you know, mid-engined and, you know, has some resemblance to that. Because, honestly, that's what the Cadillac... The Cadillac's just like, it looks futuristic, but it's like, dude, you guys are just trying too hard to be Knight Rider. Just have the red thing go back and forth, um, you know, be kit and all that bullshit. Just, just get all that out of the way. Get all the pretense out because it looks, it literally looks like the 80s, what is it, uh, Hasselhoff, uh, Knight Rider, Kit, Pontiac, Firebird thingy. I don't, I think I got that right. But I don't know. A lot of people like that car. Like, that's like the coolest car. I'm like, I don't know, man. That, that looks, that looks like the late 90s, like, uh, Ford, um, what was it? That, uh, that experimental car. It was like the GT70 Ooh. or something like that. Kind of reminds me of that. So, I think that was and, it. Four GT. And 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 with and with these all these new hyper cars showing up. Um, no, four GT Four GT ninety. Was it the four GT ninety? Okay. Uh, everybody furiously uh, will pull over if you're driving. You know, you <laughs> Google, Google that and uh, and yeah, it looks. It's got some similarities. All right. I just I just quickly googled it to make sure I, I wasn't I wasn't saying foolish things, but yeah, no, it looks very similar. But um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you though. I think whatever we were just originally talking about BMW, uh, Ferrari is going to be like the the rear wang thing or the uh, the uprights. Um, and uh, yeah, they have a they have a, a thing in the third. They have a I'm I'm not I'm not good at the engineering speak. So basically, they had, so basically, like you know how a regular wing has one on each end, right? They have a third one, and they have a third one in the middle to support that wing. Mm-hmm. That, that I believe, for my recoll- recollection of what the car is, so that's, that's something that I, I haven't seen before. Um, yeah, I think outside of that, I don't think we've got any um, any new car... Coming yet, at least announcement for Toyota. Even though I kept hearing rumors about it, I haven't heard anything unless unless there's been um, Marshall Pruitt and Graham Goodwin updates uh, in that regard that I haven't heard of because I haven't been listening to some of the recent episodes um, as of late. So maybe they've got an update on the Toyota thing that I don't, but I haven't seen anything about them building a new car for next year. So I'd be curious to see if they have anything. The 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 I think. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll talk about Audi in a little bit. Um, that's basically kind of it for us. Expectate our expectations for the next month are just kind of more more testing. Acura um, sent the chassis to uh, one of the teams already. Was it Wayne? Ta- no, it was Meyer Shank. Probably Wayne Taylor got theirs too. But uh, the one of the Acura LMDHs GTPs is now in the hands of uh, Meyer Shank. Um, and you know we'll see more testing updates and all that from all the different manufacturers, but. Um, beat rolls on. However, Chris, thoughts on mm-hmm. uh, Van Wall and Bicols? Yeah, so they intend to run it now as what do they say, Vanderwall now. Van, so not Van Wall, but Vanderwall. Believe I believe that was the case, um, and they want to run with two cars now. Okay, obviously. If, just to you know, make make a clarification. Just because Bicolas says it wants to do it doesn't mean it's going to happen in twenty twenty two. That's the important conception we need to because cl- many people will take a look at that article if they're not in the know. Oh, 
Bye, call us next year. No. Yep. Because uh, legalese is the name of the game in this situation. Obviously, they're in a court battle to even even use the name Van Wall. Right, and 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 honestly, just uh, you know, you could I'm we could, I'm sure we can spend a lot of time talking about this, but really, it just comes down to, in my opinion, especially with the FIACO, um, they're they're trying to cut off other ways of getting around not being a manufacturer, and I, you know, again, it especially nowadays, you kind of have to have an opinion on something and it usually have to take a side on whatever, but it's, it's, it's hard for me to take a side on this one because I do understand a lot of the fans and a lot of the people involved, um, that care about the sport, myself included. Like I have championed privateers till, I don't know. I mean, till the sun goes down, comes, comes right back up for years and years and years. Like I make it a public thing. People know this. Um, I love privateers. Um, but what the FIA and ACO are doing with the top class is just something that, that is just not, it's, it's not conducive to what it was 20 years ago. And I personally, at this point right now, I don't have a problem with it because it's just, um, I'm willing to try this experiment. And, you know, if it, if, if it fails, well, it quote unquote fails and we still move on, you know, as a sport. Um, and you know, if we don't, then. I don't know. I mean, do do we get more than two or three different OEMs competing at the top spot in LMP one H or you know LMP one hydrogen when it goes to that or something like that? I don't know. But I like, uh, you know, I I like the trajectory that we're going. I you know I'm not a fan of having to reject these kind of entries, but I understand why FIA and ACO are being very very sour on selective yeah selective but very sour on this because i think they're also trying to set an example for look you can't just you know you can't just buy your way you know you can't just sidestep and buy your way out of this dilemma of not necessarily being affiliated with a with a proper racing manufacturer um and i I will also say before i'll let you have your any extra follow-up to that um is that i also think that we have to I would love to look at this too, and this is me being hopeful and optimistic, and I know not necessarily everybody's into that, but this is also a way to let, you know, even if Bicols gets in, or somehow gets in, um, you know, if it sends a message to not do it that way and to try to do it where you're, uh, you're a dedicated race team that you want to be there and you want to be racing cars, you want to do that, and that's, you know, and that's where your passion is, that you want to do, kind of like a Glickenhaus, and your acceptance of the WC will be admitted. Like you're, it, it's, it's, it's a version of the FIA and ACO acknowledging you exist, giving you the space to explore that, doing it in a way that is beneficial not only to them but to you as well. And it's, it's also you proving to them and to all of us, and to race fans and to your team, other teams, that you're dedicated to be in this series. You're dedicated to be racing the best of the best, all the other stuff. So, like, I love by Coles, but at the same time, do I think that they're going to be around in five, ten years? I don't know. I mean, they've been around now, like, what? You know, they've been around for 15 years kind of deal. Like, and I, but it, they're just not some team that I'm, I'm like, wow, they've, that's such a 15 years of dedication. Like, like the dude mails it in a lot of times and this car looks fantastic and I bet you it's really fast. I'm I would be super excited if it is. 
Um, cause I think that's a cool, that's, that would be awesome. But at the same time, I just don't, I don't like it when we're really quick to be like, Oh, this is privateer. We have to let him in. We have to let him in. It's like, yes, I want him in too. But the way that these regulations work right now and the way that we're testing these waters right now means that the stuff that he's doing is, is not necessarily in good faith. And if he can at least just prove to the committee, if he can prove to like these governing bodies and honestly to some of these insightful journalists like Graham Goodwin and uh, observers in the subreddit too and in the discord like prove to some of us that we're you know that you are taking this seriously long term and that you're going to commit to this series long term and I think you'd get way more attention from the FIA from the ACO from all that but he you know it's this aspect that he wants to do this but he wants to do it on his own terms and right now uh, the stuff to do on his own terms is, is even farther away from where the FIA is currently at and where they're going to address stuff than it was even like two years ago. So I don't know. That's a little, uh, there's, there's one of my rants there, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. I don't know how they get around it. Maybe it's that he like verbally commits to doing a five-year racing program and, and building a, a factory or something or building a dedicated sports, you know, a racing center. But then even then it's like, okay, well, if we get it to him agree to do that, well, now he's committed to do a race team. So, all right, so what's the downside of that? Like, all right, well, we just got some really rich guy to commit to doing race team for the, you know, foreseeable future and laying down some roots with a freaking race team headquarters than, you know, it was before. So I'd rather that be the outcome than just be like, all right, Bicols can come in and he can do whatever he wants and then leave. Like, if this stirs on Bicols to actually be a race team that's that's around and starts competing for wins and stuff like that, like, I, let's do that. Like, I'd rather be, I'd rather be part of that timeline than by Cole's yanking is yanking our chains a bunch. But anyway, what are your thoughts, and, Chris? <laughs> I think it's because, um, if you're not in the R slash WEC discord, I, I recommend you do it. Uh, Graham Goodwin is in there. He actually provides a lot of insight on things that we may have not known and kind of ignorant to. Into the into the wider working details of how the sport works, um, and he kind of did that with the Baikala situation uh, because in the regulations, it's because obviously people can misconstru- misconstrue it. They think it needs to be an automotive manufacturer, it just needs to be an automotive brand, and e- even then, it's it's just basically the ACO like accepting. Basically, you make you you make the offer. Or you you put in the entry form, and the ACO decides whether or not you get to do it or not. Uh, it's basically, basically that's all that comes down to it. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is now I'm going to shout out Cal on the Discord because he came up with this. Um, he could, but Colin could have just drop this. Like he did, he really need to go for Van Wall. Like I'm sure there's other multitudes of automotive brands who would love to have their names on their on on the biggest stage of endurance racing, like Graham Goodwin thrown out Praga before, um, made Radical or or not even a manufacturer, just a brand, something that you know to do with automotive stuff. So the 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 conspiracy is is that he is dead on doing Van Wall because he is, let's just say his money is not coming from honest sources. Mm-hmm. And this sort of regulation, 
It's kind of making it more basically it's making it harder to just uh get a bunch of money from sketchy short sources and because you actually have to work with a partner here and he would have to expose his dealings if he had to work with such a partner so that's why he's trying to get the band wall name to his own that's ah. the conspiracy going around and that's why he's not being admitted yeah well i mean there you go you know, you just, you just, yeah, they're, and again, like, I, I think it would be more acceptable if it wasn't for the last, you know, six months and all the other extra stuff that's been going on, um, you know, in, ter- in terms of uh, a regional crisis, you know, especially near where the FIA, you know, it's in the same continent of the, where the FIA is at. And I think a lot of that kind of stuff is, not necessarily like we're not doing that anymore, but it's definitely like you keep it on the super deal. Like that's not like we're not doing anything. We're not even going to incur any risk on anything like that. Um, and oh, excuse me. I, I think it seems to me that's where we're seeing more of like a, a pushback to some of this stuff. Cause I feel like, yeah, I, I like I, this should be something that I would see the ACO admitting because they want more entries but i also think at the same time like this is a different aco like different fia they're 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 preaching the whole unity and all that other stuff but at the same time they're trying to because they're trying to preach this unity and merging and inclusiveness um it's inclusiveness though to a very strict rule set and a lot of that doesn't include being super shady especially because you have so many oems coming up to bat right now so I think I think they're making a tactical um, bet to not risk those kind of relationships versus creating an actual you know legal slash moral barrier for bicycles to have to cross over in order for him to start racing back in the series. So, which honestly, like it, it I understand. It's just a shame it has to happen that car because that is a gorgeous looking car. That is a absolutely fantastic looking hyper car. Um, just the lines on it look fantastic. So uh, I I hope that whatever, you know, I mean, if it's shady money, it's shady money, I guess. And I don't like that. But if if what comes from it is that he goes, screw this, I'll I'll start trying to, you know, revive the Van Wall name and actually do it, you know, I, don't know, I guess not legitimately, but like try to do something where you've got, you're setting up something of a permanence to like show your goodwill and intention that you want to continue in the series. Maybe that, you know, that will allow him to get in or if somehow, yeah, he does get another OEM to like step in and be like, all right, like, we'll we'll say we're, we're the guys behind it or whatever, but like, you know, you can keep all your other stuff. We'll just say whatever, but I don't even know where he would find somebody like that. So I don't know. I think a lot of question marks ahead for that, but like I said, if you haven't seen that car, go go take a look. It's uh yeah, Van Wall uh, hypercar looks fantastic. Um, and then yeah, I guess uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, Audi leaving? No, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people were upset by that, but yeah, well, we all were were being entertained with the new LM LM uh, to say hypercars. Um, and the Van Wall news, the elephant in the room uh, finally made its presence over the, the weekend. 
uh, as the Friday during the Belgian Grand Prix, uh, Audi announced his intentions to race in Formula One. And they had a whole, I believe they had a press release, and at the very bottom, it just basically says, yeah, Audi LMDH is killed, which wasn't a surprise. It's something that we basically kind of assumed for months. Um, it is a shame. Uh, from what I've been, from what I've been told, the car was already built. WRT was slated to be the team that's going to run it. Um, they're like they're going to announce the car and the team and such. Like, like they canned it like right before that without when that was about to happen. So it's just, it, it, it sucks. It, it, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. It's, you know. Because Audi, Audi is pretty much synonymous with Le Mans in this generation. Because anyone that kind of grew up with endurance racing that's around our ages, we've seen Audi at Le Mans. We've seen them win multiple times. It's it kind of been ingrained into into our brains, you know. But in one hand, though, it's it's something new. Um, I can appreciate a changing of the game. Um, uh, unfortunately, it would be it would have been cooler if it was a full entry. If if we would have added another two cars on the Formula One grid, Unfor- uh, I don't want to say unfortunately, but they're basically going to buy out most of Sauber. Uh, so Alfa Romeo and Alfa Romeo is done after twenty twenty three. So Sauber is going to run in. From what it sounds like, Sauber is going to run independently until Audi takes over the ship. Um, because that's when the new Formula One regulations happen. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And if they keep their GT3 program, how cool would it be if some off weekend, some Audi F1 driver races some GT3 races? Wouldn't that be a pipe dream? Man, that is. Uh, I feel like that's that's a big that's a big leap. But we'll. Uh, I I would love it though. Yeah, that's that's 2026. I mean, I don't even know what the regulations are like in 2026. It's, it's I mean, too far. If, yeah. if it makes sense, it's too far out for me to care at the moment. <laughs> I mean, I mean, anything could really happen too. Considering Porsche is going to be there too, so I mean, you're going to have two oh, VW. You know, uh, from so uh, I believe there's some recent reports that the Porsche deal might not be on as we think. Oh, there might be some. There's some skepticism from I believe Red Bull. Who thinks I believe I believe it's from Red Bull side who thinks Porsche is just going to take everything over. Um, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they? That's 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 kind of like what. So why wouldn't Porsche want to do that? I think the latest news is that deal might not be as on as we think. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like with Red Bull, it's kind of like, well, you know, is this another Mercedes kind of deal? You know, where they just they come back, you know, they they. They suck for a few years, but then the next regulation say and they basically just steamroll over everyone because that's kind of exactly what Mercedes did. And so just like, all right, well, then we get absorbed. And, you know, whereas they could kind of like run stuff as it were, you know, if Mercedes can't necessarily keep up or, you know, their boardroom finally starts to lose interest and they start to go away, then like, you know, is Mercedes going to sell their team to Porsche? Like, I doubt it. So, you know, are, are they going like, oh, well, you know, being fully absorbed by an F1 team is not what we want. And even if we wanted partial stuff, like maybe us staying the course and not going Porsche is what's in best interest for Red Bull, even though we're probably, you know, we're still spending money. I think they're still making a ton of money off of the net value. But, um, 
yeah, I, I wonder if all of a sudden is, and I think too, especially with Honda saying that they're, they're extending and potentially coming back as a racing sponsor. Um, you know, like they're not ruling that out in the next like two or three years too. Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause we, we thought Porsche was a done deal. I mean, as of like two, two or three or uh, four weeks ago, and now it's just kind of all changed a bit. So, but yeah, so let's, uh, I mean, that's kind of, we're talking about F1 already. So um, anything, what we have it on our little run sheet here to talk about F1 and what, anything else you wanted to talk about specifically in the uh, Formula One circus right now? They just came off of the, uh, the, uh, the summer break, the one month off hiatus of Formula One and just finished Spa. So- I I watched Spa on a replay. I didn't watch it live. Um, it was it was all right. It, like I like the beginning of the race was kind of fun because you had all the people who started at the back moving on up, and then in in the, in the middle it did get quite dull. Nothing, not a whole lot happened. Um, and th- then obviously towards towards the end it got interesting because of. Uh, Ferrari told Leclerc to pit so they can get new tires so they can go for the fastest lap, which is a pit stop gamble. And obviously Leclerc speeded in the pit lane from now from what I've heard, it was because a, a piece of trash or Verstappen's visor yeah, flew into yeah, yeah, or tear off and flew into the, into the Ferrari and messed up like a sensor. Um, and, and from that, that's, from what I hear, which it's very unfortunate. It doesn't help the uh, the narrative at all. Um, no, which is you know the whole Ferrari bad you know sort of thing. That's kind of it's kind of I, I I'm gonna say it. it. It is kind of annoying. Ooh, that's controversial. It's a it's a it's it's a hot well. P- I don't know how to exp- how to explain it. Like there's there's th- it just we can all agree that yeah Ferrari kind of has some bad luck some t- can be some terrible strategy calls, but uh, the, P- the is, we're gonna talk about specifically the spa situation. They're, they gambled. They're like, hey, maybe we can get an extra couple more points. Because you know, because in a sport like F one, every point matters. You know, et cetera, et cetera. I appreciate that. And, and guess what? Their gamble failed. That's racing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, to the people making fun of this, what would you rather have? Just, a, 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 just him stayed in place and making the race, the end of the race, basically the status quo, less interesting. I, I, I don't know if, if I can appreciate a good pit stop gamble. Obviously, I've been a NASCAR fan for many years. That's kind of it's kind of where a lot of the pit stop gambles come from. You know, fuel mileage races. It's you know that's, a lot of them. That's what a lot of them happened before the uh, stage breaks and stuff. But uh, yeah, I I don't think I'm going to be as hard on, on Ferrari uh, this time because I, I think they went for a gamble. You know, they saw an opportunity, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's obviously there's a narrative. Um, 
and it's it's easier to kind of to to file it under the narrative than it would be to to try to like look at it specifically individually from that instance and, and again that's not necessarily slight to people that don't want to invest the extra time in it it's just it's an easier way to catalog it and move on like you know we got enough stuff going on as it is there's all kinds of stuff going on in the race but um and it's also just you know it's a form of comedy um <laughs> you know there's always somebody that's kind of going to goof up for a lot of the season and, and kind of get digged a lot um get ribbed a lot about it but yeah i think ferrari strategy um there wasn't really too much to say to it i mean i i Look, I agree with you, I think, pretty much on, on all that stuff. The thing I will say, though, to add to that is that they don't put themselves in any good position with how they, they try to risk their strategy. So there's a lot of times where I think Ferrari are doing something and it doesn't sound like they're doing it necessarily based on a, a overall plan that has been discussed and they're just sticking to the plan or if it's like a guessing game, they they will guess pretty quickly, and that's what they're gonna do. Like, and again, that could definitely be the broadcast not relaying information real time. So I don't know, but the way that they seem to always relay information to Charles and also to Carlos, and again, it didn't seem like it was any different from when um, Sebastian was there too. It's just it, it just seems so chaotic. It doesn't seem very very well thought out in terms of like the specific point they're trying to get across. And I don't know if that's just the way that those, a lot of the uh, race engineers are, or some of the extra management, the race management guys are, but it just seems like they will put themselves right in the position to, to either take advantage or, or basically screw up. And a lot of times, even then when they're about to take advantage of something, it's like, it's a low percentage thing that they're trying to gamble on. And it's just a lot of times for me, I understand why they're doing it. And I understand too, where they're like, they might not be confident in the chassis to get it done. So they need to do these risks or they just got caught out by bad luck. But it's just, it's the way that they, the, the strategies play out for them a lot. And the way that they communicate to their drivers on the radio, it's easy for me at least as a, you know, a, a backyard lawn chair viewer of the sport. Um, where they they incur some of the blame, you know, erroneously, but also because they put themselves in that position to be blamed for it. And it's just like they, if they don't have the fastest car this year, that's great, you know. And if they want to play a safe strategy, you know, they have every right to do so. And they're, you know, if they're deciding not to do that and they're just going to risk it, risk it, risk it, that's fine. But they also have to be able to prove to themselves and, you know, like the, the fan. I feel like the F1 fan base, yeah, they're they're irate individuals. All of us are rabid fans and are you know are super fans, blah blah. blah. But at the end of the day, I think some of the, the the fan sentiment is the same that the Ferrari guys get. Like, and the it's not like people don't view social media. Like, I feel like the drivers, teams, and, and manufacturers look at social media more than they ever have before. They're like a lot of it relying on social media. So, you know, not even to say that the shrill voices matter, but just from the amount of input you're getting is like, damn, you know, like we're not doing these strategies. Well, like we're always have this bad luck or like, you know, we, we seem to be getting caught out or there there's, there is some like delay in response and it's, it's never really, you know, like all these harsh criticisms that sure. Some of them don't make sense, but others do. 
So I, I don't know. I just think that, like I've said it before, like Ferrari are doing fine with their strategy, but the way that they conduct it just it, it publicly seems like a nightmare. Like I would, if I was driving for them, I would have, I wouldn't have a ton of confidence. I would, I would feel like I need to, to be interpreting the race a lot myself to make sure that the decisions they're making make sense to me. And that's never a good sign in my opinion of a championship winning team. Like you just cannot, you just cannot have your drivers questioning or just not understanding the the strategy or why stuff is happening. Like, especially with how stuff's worked this year, like the hard tire, for instance, has been terrible all year. And it just only seems like when it's really hot, that's when that tire starts to actually do anything and work. Or like when it's just long races that have decent deg. But man, I don't like they've they just have they never learned their lesson with those hard tires, uh at least this year. And a lot of it is just like, all right, I'm thinking in my head, like, all right, if I'm in that strategy meeting the next race, like, I'm like, the only thing we care about right now, like, we need to obviously win. We need to get back on this championship hunt. But the only thing we need to worry about right now is to not do this. Like, we are, we are, we're going to back off to allow ourselves so that we can finish the race or, like, whatever. Like, we are setting goals for ourselves to just get back on the horse and we can start running again. And they're just like... They just keep throwing everything at, out on the race to try to like get the most momentum back on their feet, and they just keep floundering because I just feel like they 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 seem lost as a team when it comes to like what can they do confidently, like what are they good at, and how can they use that to their advantage? And I just I think that's where my frustration comes in as a Ferrari fan, and also just somebody who's seen a lot of the the unnecessary comments that they get for their strategy. But I think. At the end of the day, that's really what's what's kind of been sick with that organization for a while. Like they just they just need a a management kind of tilt, and not at the top. Like it has to be the some of the race coordinators and engineers and some of the team management guys. Like I just think the way that they troubleshoot stuff in in real time is just not it's not a way that it's not a winning way to do it. Like they're not quick enough, or they're not executing correct decisions and critical moments but oh man another right. for me jeez holy crap it reminds me of the french grand prix when carlos Sainz, i believe he was in a battle of someone and they called him down on in, <coughs> excuse me they called him down to the pits to get some tires and i believe the consensus was on his current set they didn't they didn't know if he was going to make it to the end so they played it, you know, they're like, okay, let's pit and get you a new set of tires so, can, you can, so we can know that you'll be able to make it the end of the race, which it, it's kind of, it's, it really is depending on how, if he, if he stayed out and a tire blew, it, it really would have been a lose-lose situation. It's, it's, so it is, it is kind of frustrating. I think also another thing that plays uh, into it is that the meme is so widespread. You see it everywhere. Um, like I, I, I say, I see it on my Facebook feeds. I see it um, on Discord, uh, subreddit. Uh, not, not our subreddit, but in different subreddits. Mm-hmm. It's sort. It's, it's sort of like that new hit song you just heard on the radio, right? The first couple times you listen to it, oh, it's great. I love it. But then it gets overplayed. You know, it you know plays like five times every hour. It's like, okay, can we move on to something new? I don't know. It, it's 
if it keeps happening, obviously, I'm not, I'm not saying stop the meme, because if it keeps happening, obviously that gives it fuel. Like it gives it, it gives fuel to the fire. Um, but I don't know. I'm just a I'm just a boomer about this. You're, to be you're, honest, you're a little uh, you're a little burned out with the uh, Ferrari strategy. Yeah, and this is coming from a neutral. I'm not even a Ferrari fan. Yeah, I'm more I'm I'm more of a Haas fan. Kevin Magnuson. Now that the Russian money is gone, um, but a- anyway, this podcast is proudly supported by the Racing Line. The Racing Line is a motorsport calendar and notification app for iPhones and iPads. It includes all major series, with more being added all the time giving you a daily and weekly list of races so you can easily see what's coming up. All events are converted to your local time zone, so you no longer have to faff around, adding or taking away hours to work out start times in your area. Finally, it also lets you customise notifications for events, so you can choose when you're notified about certain race series. The app is available on the iOS App Store. Just search for The Racing Line. Find out more at www.theracingline.app. Now, back to the podcast. So, uh, let's talk about something else that happened over the weekend. The play, the playoff grid has been decided for NASCAR. Yeehaw. Yeah. After Cowboy what Dome. was supposed to be a Saturday night race turned into a Sunday morning race, 10 a.m. Eastern, Kind of going back to his roots because that, that's how it was back in the day. It start. It was supposed to be on, like back in the day, it was on July fourth, like actually on the fourth of July, the date, mm-hmm. and it was a morning race as far as I was concerned. So it's kind of going back to its roots a bit, and obviously it was a very chaotic race with multiple big ones. And the main story of the race was basically Ryan, uh, not Ryan, uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney were in the playoffs unless somebody knew they were in the top 30 in points won. And that's exactly what happened as after a major crash happened with around, what, 22, 23 laps to go? Mm-hmm. Or, and basically, there's a huge pack coming into turn one and the track is wet. Uh, everybody basically crashed except for like six people. Um, this is controversial because teams, some teams are like, yeah, we had rain for like half a lap. And then, you know, the rain didn't, if you looked at some onboards, in my opinion, the rain didn't come down noticeably until they did get into the tri-oval, which it's like, yeah. Kind of a bad look still when you have a bunch of cars racing 180, 190 miles an hour in a huge pack. Then rain, it just because you just take a look at the replay. They have absolutely no grip at all. Yeah, that was. Uh, it was yeah, what, what were your thoughts on that, Chris? Was that a good call? Do you are you upset with NASCAR on that, or uh, you know, or are you okay? Kind of like. Uh, seeing seeing where, like, it might not have been raining before, or do you think that they should have thrown it before they got back to one? I don't know. It's 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 very hard to say. 
I know some drivers say, well, we had a half a lap of this before, and then, but you didn't really notice it until uh, there could have been. like, Because I, I, the time it takes from the trial to turn one is pretty quick. And obviously with random pop-up thunderstorms like what we had at Daytona, they can just appear out of nowhere. Um, you don't really get much warning with them. Um, I don't know. I What I did like is that they got the race restarted. If they just called it, I would have been pretty salty. But at least they... But what I'm... What I'm trying to say is I, I'm happy they at least restarted it so that way because at the time, I believe it was Ryan Blaney that was out of the playoffs because it, because our Austin Dillon was declared the leader. Hmm. And if, so they ended it under yellow or ended it like that. That would have that would have made a lot of people mad. But what I was glad to hear, they at least got it running. They, they could went to the checkered. Everyone had a shot. Everybody, I'm trying to say, at least it was fair. They, they, they allowed the race to continue. They allowed the finish. And that, so that way, finish on the green, there's no, you know, maybe, maybe except Austin Dillon kind of purposely, you know. <laughs> yeah. Her turning, turning Cindric. Yeah. But, you know, at least they, they, you know, the people who were at the chase cut off, they're allowed to race it to the end. It wasn't decided by some official in the tower saying, nah, race is over. Yeah, I um, I think we were, I, I was watching this live and I was in the voice chat and Discord on RWC's Discord. Uh, check that out if you're not far. Uh, number that, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, there's a couple guys that were from Florida in there too, or that live in Florida. And, you know, we were all just saying that it was, I mean, just looking at the replays and, um, I mean, well, first off, uh, just to, to mention with your comment is that to about 1230, like 1215, 1220, when the crash happened, they everybody red flagged it. So I thought there was a decent chance that they were going to get it anyway, even if it like somehow wasn't, it was just oil or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. and then it was Cause it was a, it was Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sunday and they got night and they got lights there. I mean, they even did a race for the 500, like at 12 in the morning, like they still ran it. So, um, so it did, it, I thought it was going to continue anyway, regardless, but just the fact that it was in rain, like half the field got wiped out because of the rain and then the whole championship implications because of that. Like I think NASCAR had no choice. They, they, they were going to make sure that race ran out, you know, like give it every chance they got almost probably to like nine, 10 PM. They probably would have had the window open and then they just would have closed it. But um, yeah, I think it would have been, uh, you know, the result probably might have been slightly different if anything else, but um, also Dylan had winning that. I personally think that it has, you know, like NASCAR could, you know, I, I think they could, maybe adjust this so that they have some guys that are designated to just be weather callers. And all they do is just, they got to periodically have their hand out the window or they, they have to be weather aware at least for just drops. And whether that is that they're just sitting on the banking, you know, just on the top, top skirt. Cause they have, you know, trucks that just sit out there on the top banking during the race. And they just have an official every like two or three minutes, four minutes. He's got to check something else, but he just, he's out there feeling for rain. And as soon as one of them calls for something where they feel drops, like, 
like stuff's got to necessarily immediately be called yellow, but like the, like the attention goes to that corner and to try to like get maybe a corroborating somebody else who also sees it. Cause I feel like with that, they probably might've had a better idea. Like you probably would have heard NASCAR control come on a little bit earlier, or at least have a little bit more chatter. We're like, Hey, should we, you know, this is, this might be rain, might be rain. Let's just, should we throw yellow? Cause really they didn't know until the, all the cars were crashed that there was rain. Um, so it wasn't like NASCAR control was just sitting on it. They just didn't know. So that's the only thing I would think to maybe adjust from it. But otherwise there's, there's nothing you can do. I, and I can't, I, I think it, it almost, yeah, I think the way that Florida rain is described is not correct. It is like mini monsoons, but the way it is, it's like, if you spread like, um, like wood saw chips or I don't know, like gasoline just spills everywhere and you light, you just light a match on one side, just spread out everywhere. You light a match and it just starts and it just burns everything and outline and just try it. And it pretty much just spreads out from there. Like Florida rain doesn't have, like it doesn't move. There's not like a ton of fronts that just constantly move through. And it's just, there's so much moisture in the air. It's so hot that you'll just get these storms that'll pop up. And instead of them moving, they just kind of like use all the energy up and then they just kind of like almost like it looks like the storm moves, but it's basically just like that storm dying sort of in that place. And then it's starting up next to it. And you'll just see like, um, so you won't see like clouds move over you that are raining. They'll just be clouds that are next to you that are raining. And then all of a sudden the cloud above you just starts dripping, 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 and then downpour. Like, and it's not like the cloud next to you moved over it's just the cloud that just developed on top of you decided to start pouring down like buckets of water on you like i i like that is probably the closest that i can describe florida summers with thunderstorms like it's just that's how it works and when i was looking at the replays that's exactly what i saw like i I, like the previous lap i think there might have been a couple drops that you saw and then turn three four you kind of saw that but then when they immediately got to there like and then there was some rain like no that's that's exactly florida where it's just like it doesn't even look like there's like any of the clouds have moved because they they haven't they've just sat still and just that part of that small part of the track started to get downpour rain and like you'll just and that's and that's again where you get the weird stuff of like yeah my car literally got rain like downpour deluge and the car next to it the next stall didn't get any rain whatsoever it's completely bone dry because it's just like the rain decided to form in front of this or on top of this car and then it decided to stop it ran out of energy and stopped raining like that's it literally that's how it works. So I don't know. That's my that's my in depth another rant of the uh the weather effects for the Daytona race. But I I, I don't blame NASCAR really at all. I, I thought they they just were in a bad situation. Um and like I said, my suggestion might might help them in the future, but even then, like it's Florida, like if if rain decided to start developing in the center of the track and then work its way out, like it could easily have just done that too. Like uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Florida weather is nuts. So darn that it, it couldn't run the Saturday night. I was really looking forward to watching a Saturday night, right? Especially to clinch the playoffs. Um, but yeah, unfortunately Truex out. Um, and then Bush had to surrender his, uh, uh, his, uh, playoff ticket, so to speak, uh, due to seat, uh, concussion and recovering from that. So, um, and Brian Blaney snuck in by the, by the skin of his teeth there. So, yeah. Playoffs are, are looming for NASCAR. Um, but, yeah. So, was there anything else 
Chris, that you wanted to discuss here? Well, we did forget about the changes for IMSA for next year. Oh, yes. All right, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, no more Sprint Cup for GTD, which, you know, as as a fan, you know, hallelujah. It was already confusing enough as it is. Um, because CTMP, for example, this year, it was like it was a sprint round, but it didn't count for the overall cha- or a championship. Uh, it, it was it was one of those very weird things where like it counted for this, but not for that, or it didn't count at all, or it was optional. So at least it made it simpler. Here's the here's the schedule. If you don't show up, you don't get points. Mid Ohio is got the out. car counts too for it, especially because GT3, you know, yep. is becoming the main thing. Like they don't, they have no reason for Sprint Cup anymore. Um, absolutely none. So, uh, yeah, and Mid Ohio is out, uh, being yeah. replaced by Indianapolis. I believe it's called the Battle of the Bricks or the something, something like that. I think they've already released the name for it, and that's going to also hold the four-hour Michelin Pilot Challenge race. So, no more four-hour Daytona. Uh, it's now the four-hour Michelin pilot races are now at Daytona and Indianapolis. And, obviously, the weather tech run in Indianapolis is being... It's it's basically... They said they want they want to make it the fifth Enduro. Or they may, they want to add it to the Endurance uh, Championship. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Obviously... It's Penske. He'll 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 get what he wants. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, oh, no more Detroit either. At least for Maine WeatherTech. Obviously, because of the close vicinity of Lama, it will be very hard to get entries. Because obviously, people are going to choose Lama. Um, m- most people. So what's going on instead? They're doing a grand sport only class race for the uh, pilot challenge at the at at at, uh, at Detroit. The um, street so circuit. GT, not yeah, the, the, yeah, the new the, the new street circuit they're doing downtown or something like that. Mm-hmm. The, so they're doing the GT fours just to make it simple. They're doing the GT four portion portion of the Michelin Pilot Challenge at Detroit, which I think could probably make for a better race because they'll be able to beat and bang more. Uh, that circuit is a lot of ninety-degree corners, so that's probably what they're going to be doing. Yeah. Then, to basically balance out the calendar to make sure each class is an equal number of races, uh, at Lime Rock Park is a TCR-only round. Which, if you know the TCR grid, like two-hour race for like twelve to thirteen cars. Hmm? Not exactly something that's gonna be uh not exactly that's something that's gonna be selling your tickets. Yeah, I I would hope there might they might add a couple cars to that car count because that seems a little pitiful. And then uh, oh, prototype challenge, uh, it has been now been killed for the second time, <laughs> and hopefully it stays dead. Um. What's happening now is that replacing Prototype Challenge is, I believe, that they think this is a 50-50, 55-minute sprint races of GT4s and LMP3s. And it's going to be called the VP Sports Car Challenge. 
Oh man, somebody, somebody listened to me over the years and years of me asking for this, either either this podcast or the Discord subreddit, because I have been, I have been like, I don't know why they don't just do an LMP3 as the as the prototypes, and then just do like GT4 TCR or something like that, uh, you know, GS uh, as the GTs, and then just have it like be a mini IMSA. And you, so you have multi class racing, you have the prototypes. Gives like the, some of the uh, bronze guys experience, especially because they're doing LMP3 now in IMSA. Um, and it's like, all right, so then I mean, which that's, that's probably going to leave. Um, and eventually, but like, still, it, it's uh, it makes so much sense. I, I just from a visual perspective, a marketing perspective to do this. So, yeah, I like 100% full, full clap for me. That's a round of applause. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, those will be really exciting races that I'll be definitely looking forward to watching them in person. So, yeah, that that's really about it for the changes. Uh, at least for the major ones. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Beyond that, I mean, it's you know we're 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 still steaming right through with uh, with WC season. So obviously, we uh, our last one we had was at Monza. Um, and, uh, the next one that we're going to have is coming up at Fuji in, uh, September 11th. So that's coming up in a couple weeks from this recording. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that is going to be, gain a lot of my attention. Hopefully we'll have an endurance chat to cover. I think we don't, we haven't done Monza yet. They might just do, I or Flood or whoever might do a combo of that and, uh, and Fuji. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting down the home stretch to see for them. Uh, how WC turns out for especially for the LMP uh, LMHs, it's still hard for me to get used to. Uh, and yeah, yeah, this is um, it's kind of the winding down time for motorsport, unfortunately. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of cool championships uh, to finish out in the next month and a half. So, um, Chris, any final thoughts from you, sir, on this uh, first episode of this little uh, this little side project we're going to try to do monthly here? Yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been nice. Uh, I do have to say a uh, little tidbit. I have actually been getting into European football. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! I am now a Leeds United fan. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, Premier League, Premier League club. Mm-hmm. And do you know? Do you know? Do you want to know why? Because they're the smallest club in existence, or something. So so basically, I was in Discord, and I noticed that there's a La Liga game on Network ABC. For those out of the states, Network ABC is basically like, you know, if you have if you just have a simple antenna, you get the channel. So like pretty much every if you had some form of cable in the country, you had that channel. So it was a pretty big deal because it was open up because it was showcasing to it to a lot of eyes. And it was like Barcelona versus some other team. I don't know. And I made a comment like, "Holy wow!" I mean, the European football is really growing in the states if they're showing stuff like this on network television. Now, uh, a person in the Discord, a friendly British guy in the Discord, do you have a? And I mentioned I was going to cheer for Minnesota in the Major League Soccer because it's the closest team to me, and I'll die before cheering for any Illinois team. Absolutely. Um, Amen. Good good call. And they're like, do you have a European team? And I was like, no. And I was like, can I recommend you one? And I was like, oh, sure, go ahead. Yeah, so there's this team called Leeds United. They got two American players. And they got a coach from Racine, Wisconsin. 
And I was like, Wisconsin? Nah. Like, yeah. And I've been watching, and this was like a couple weeks ago, and I've been watching every match since. And I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. Even when the Americans leave, I'm, 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 I'm hooked because um, it's sort of, it reminds, it's, it reminds me of the Green Bay Packers, even though it's, it's, a, it leads as like a 600,000 people population. Well, Green Bay is like a hundred thousand. So obviously it leads as much bigger, but the, they're the only team in that city. So everybody in the community rallies around that team, yeah. sort of like how people in Green Bay do that here. So I, I, I see the similarities in that sort of way. So I, so that's and I, and I watch all the like the, the documentary on Amazon, um, and and well, how do you, okay, so so I'm also a Packers fan, um, right? And uh, and I I definitely can see the interest of that. Um, I don't know about this though. How do you feel about the the forty niners owning forty four percent of the team? Uh, at least they don't own majority. It's 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 like from what I've noticed it's the in 49ers, football, man. it's the forty niners. The American least, football team owns almost owns all like the majority stake in Leeds United. That's oh. Yeah, but they've hired a Wisconsin coach. Okay, that's true. That's fair. They they um, know they they know coaching talent is good in uh, in the state of Wisconsin, <laughs> and it's not like it's not like an oil company. No, like no, 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 no. Mid- no. Yeah, no, it's, it's, so. no. It's just it's just loyalties of fandom. That's all. So, no, that's uh, that's cool. I like that. That's a uh, and when is the uh, Premier League started already? Right, the the season. Yeah, they had about I think every. I think there's some more teams playing tomorrow, but pretty much every team has played about five games so far. Yeah, that's uh, that's getting their season off. Uh, I, I I loosely followed it. I I was trying to get more into it, but just racing kind of kept pulling me back in, man. It kept pulling me back in, so kept getting more and more into racing in different levels, and uh, you know, especially after uh, after college, and that was kind of when I was getting into to, uh-huh. uh, soccer, so. Um, and my buddies are huge MLS fans. Uh, a couple of them are in Atlanta, and they go to all kinds of games. Like part of the whole like crazy fandom down there that goes to a bunch of those. And uh, so they're always trying to tell me to go to some. And I know a couple guys that go to some like AAA version of uh, of MLS teams that are in uh, Tampa. Um, but Orlando City FC is the closest one for me to call it my team or whatever MLS. So. Yeah, you're right. I'll be damned if I'm ever gonna call myself uh, any any fan of Chicago sports. Get out of here. Yeah, the only the only one that, uh, like I said, I'll famously say that, like I'm I, the only Chicago sports team I root for is the White Sox because it's not supposed to be the right team that wins in Chicago. So that's why I will I like by default I will be like, yeah, go White Sox. Like absolutely, that's Chicago. That's that's not their team. So. That's like I said. That's the only thing I'll ever root for in uh, Chicago sports because they can go. Uh, there's there's some animosity, animosity there. I'm sure, I'm sure with you too, Chris. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, we got we got to end this program on, on on some hateful stuff. No, but uh, no, it's uh, it's I'm looking forward to the the next month. I know I know football is getting back in. I'm doing some fantasy football stuff, which is whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm not been American football for the people. Oh yeah, who... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. United States NFL American football. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I, I know it's 
it's like it, it's like sacrilege to almost say that you're not like paying super much attention to football, but I'm not really taking like I, I already know it's gonna happen. Yeah, but why would I watch when I already know it's gonna happen? The Packers are gonna lose their first game. Oh Jesus! They're gonna go on a tear for the rest of the season. Oh Jesus! And then choke in the NFC Championship game. It, 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 it's literally prophecy at this point. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll go enjoy. I'll, I'll I'll I'm excited for you know the Bucks to play the NBA team to play. You know, like that's that's at least more of an enjoyment because like yeah, you're right. I mean, like it, it's 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 like okay, so here's how it is. It's like you've had to sit through, and I don't want to call out Fast and Furious because I do like that series. But let's just say you had to hit sit through like nine different movies that all were the exact same premise essentially as like fast like the eighth or ninth movie because i'm assuming those are both terrible so like you've had to sit through (laughs) eight seven eight nine of those already in a row where they're like okay this is all right this is this is shit man this is shit this is like two and a half this is like three hours this movie this is shit like this is terrible i don't want to watch this like 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 (laughs) i but you're like you have to sit through and watch it you got to like you're a fan of the series. You want to keep, you know, like you know, like I, I have to represent this. Like I have to sit through it just to say that I did it. And so you just you do it every time. And then each time you, you're, you're done with it, you're like, man, that was terrible. And like these all have been pretty bad. Like I, I remember when that was was pretty good. Like do you guys remember that? Like people are like, no, shut up. You can't like you can't say that. You can't say this movie was bad because like, you know, there's not a lot of people that even get to watch these movies. You got to watch that movie. You got to watch that movie stink for three hours, but some of us didn't even get to watch that movie from a seat. You're like, well, I don't, I don't know, man. Like you didn't watch the movie and you feel like you missed out. I had to watch the movie and I felt like I, I missed out on getting to do something else. I feel like we both lost, but like, apparently it's wrong of me to be upset that I'm like constantly having to sit through terrible movies that I know the terrible ending of all the time and have no other choice but to do so in order to be like a fan of this thing that I don't really even have enough emotional uh, support for, man. That's exactly what it feels to be like a Packer fan. I feel like people are just like, oh yeah, well you guys went to the NFC championship, like blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh yeah, but did we win? No, that's the whole thing. We didn't win. Like, all right, if you guys want to go once and then you're done for a while and that like, we're better than that. Okay, cool. But like the entire goal I would is to rather win have us, you know. I would I would rather have us either a not make the playoffs at all, or b be like a first round like done, then go all the way to that point, and then we'll have hope that we oh hey we might actually do it this time, and then it, the choking happens. I you know and I, I will say and we we won't we won't make this go too far. Um, past when we were kind of trying to do this, but yeah, I, I think I think that's the case for a lot of sports fans, and I think a lot of people just, you know, like I, I get really involved emotionally in a lot of the sports that I like to watch and all that, and sometimes it does help to take a step back. But at the same time, it's not even like a lot of the time taking a step back. It's it's more just like I, I don't know, like understanding that there's still 32 teams. Like you have a one out of 32 chance. Technically, if everybody is has everything even to win this potentially just from a flip the coin standpoint, 50, 50 shot. So it's still not like, you know, you don't ever have the greatest odds. You have a lot more stuff stacked in your favor, but there's so many different variables, especially now with like injuries constantly happening specifically in the NFL talking, but it's just, I think people get really lost in like, just, I don't know, analyzing stuff to a huge degree all the time with, 
all this stuff and like especially where we're like okay well you know if if we're tired of being the runner up all the time well like that's fine like every sports fan's different how they consume their media and how they consume their sports so like um i think people still for, like it, it's hard to especially online to to see this but like there's a lot of times where you know we're just you know, we're we're trying to bite a lot of stuff and we're like we're trying to just absorb as much material as we possibly can with all these different sports and and people's limited information or like limited capacity to retain knowledge or to to seek out more knowledge or to to be more understood or be more to to understand more about the sport like is different. So, you know, like there could be somebody that is right about every single thing, but if they don't care enough about aerodynamics and formula one to understand the nuances of that, and then they just kind of casually say their comments on it, they could be wrong about the aerodynamics of it, but be absolutely right on something specific or like, I don't know, pit stops or whatever. So I just feel like collectively as sports fans, like all of us need to like understand, cause there's, the, the reason why I'm saying this uh, on this tangent is because like there's a lot of NFL fans and Packers fans too that do not like the fact that there's some Packers fans that are burnt out with basically like over 10 years of, you know, win- winning the championship and then coming close like almost every single, every every year, every other year since then. And it's like that is success. Like that's obviously definable success. And it's the same kind of thing as Mercedes or Ferrari and Formula One or Red Bull. Like, we have defined limits of what we see as dominance, success, and all that, and what we're doing. But the same, you know, and the right way to do it and the right sports attitude is to, like, yeah, like, be encouraging, be positive. Like, we will, we will overcome this. We will defeat this problem, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, I think everybody doesn't operate like, you know, like, I think fans don't operate like that. I think uh, casual observers that aren't the the cream of the crop that we're seeing in, in motorsport and sports in general, like all these guys are some of the best of the best. Like there's, there's not a guy that doesn't belong anywhere in any of these sports, motorsport or NFL or soccer. Like it's just, it's just, I think sports fans in general just need to understand that like how our expectations of the teams are, are obviously way over, over where they should be, whatever. But just, I think the expectations of other fans is, is also just out of whack. I I feel like a lot of people, and this is also kind of bleeding into a little blurb we had about the F1 community too, um, is just like, there's, it's a very tribalist thing right now. And, and I feel like that is the, that's the in thing you were saying earlier, kind of like, um, with the Audi hate, you know, the Audi memes and all that stuff. Like, I just feel like it's very in right now to be like to establish your position on stuff and to hold your position and and like no like you that that other thing's unacceptable you have to in order to be a fan of the Packers you have to believe that they're going to win every single year and you can't you can't just like ignore them for half the year cuz then you're not a fan you know it's like people consume sports differently man and I'll be honest I've watched less football because I'm just burnt out emotionally from watching the Packers over the last 10 years even though they won a championship, you know, um, over 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, like I, I'm personally burnt out and I, I can feel that in how you were describing it too. So, but yeah, and I, I live so close. I live close enough to Lambeau field where I can hear the fireworks after every touchdown. And like, if hypothetically, if they won the Super Bowl, like it'll be like a four or five mile walk. 
I, I would be able to walk, just stroll down to, to the championship parade. So it, it kind of means a lot more to someone who lives right in the center of it all than someone that's say, maybe someone who lives down in Euclid or Marquette, Michigan, or so, something like that. Um, I, what I think would be a good way to wrap this up is to do a bandwagon check. Name your sports, t- since it's getting around that time of the year for major U.S. sports to pop back up. Name your sports teams. Claim them as their own. So that way, if they do well, you can always be. You can always say, point to this and say, "Hey, I I supported this all this time." Yep. Cookie, what are what are your go to sports teams? Um, I mean, I consume a lot of stuff. Uh, uh in general, sports related stuff. I mean, I've followed everything, college and pro professional. So I'll leave college out because uh, you know I think in general. I like professional sports more than college, which is rare, I guess, for some a middle-aged American to say because I guess everybody loves college. Anyway, um, NFL obviously Packers. I'm from I'm originally from Wisconsin, even though my username says Florida. Um, so I pretty much was born and raised there. Uh, moved down to Florida when I was in um, middle school, or I don't know, when I was uh, 13, 14 years old. So kind of grew up in both states, kind of um, became an adult in, in Florida. So I still know a lot of stuff in Wisconsin. So, uh, but yeah, it's Green Bay Packers, which is a uh, f- pro football NFL. Um, and then basketball, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan and uh, American baseball, um, a Milwaukee Brewers fan. Um, and then besides that, I know that there's hockey. Uh, I know that's going to start soon. I like hockey in general. Just, I never really got into it. So, um, I don't know. I'm a Rays fan, I guess. And then, um, yeah, outside of that, I don't really I, – I mean, I, I do follow soccer. When I tried to do Premier League, I was a Manchester United fan. Boo me, I know. Boo, just boo. Uh, but that would probably be my team. And I'm sorry, Flood, I can't – I don't have a cricket team yet. So you can uh, – you and uh, <laughs> you and Chris can judge me all you want down there. But, um, yeah, I think that those are my affiliations. Um I don't know. We could do motorsport ones too, maybe next time. But uh, how about you? Yeah, we, that'll be a next time. Uh, so it was kind of weird for me because uh, so if, I grew up in the western upper peninsula of Michigan. So it, it was very weird for sports teams because you would have these people who would be like, oh, I'm Green Bay, Wisconsin fan because the culture kind of was closely it was close to Wisconsin. Um, you were closer to Green Bay. You were close, and you were closer to Milwaukee than Detroit. Um, so, P, so for the NFL, and plus you were also within driving distance towards uh, Minneapolis. So you had all these whatever. So you had T. You had basically, if you walked into any Western Upper Peninsula Michigan school, high school, you could probably catch like every single piece of kit from the NFC North. Like when I was growing up, I was around Bears fans, Lions fans, Vikings fans, and, and Packers fans. Uh, but I, I was I was raised in a family of Packer fans. So I was, Iowa, I was, I was a Green Bay Packer. Uh, baseball, I was, I was weird. I was like, I like Detroit and Milwaukee. But then like people, you know, I was like, you can't cheer on both. 
I was like, well, which one's closer? Uh, Milwaukee. Um, uh, so a Brewers fan. Uh, let's see. Uh, basketball, I've always been more of a Bucks fan. I did live in Wisconsin when, like, when I was around six years old for like half a year. And those games would show up on TV. And I never really caught any of the Detroit games when I lived in Michigan. So I was a bit more of a Bucks fan. Uh, hockey is, because uh, theoretically where I'm located, you would think, okay, maybe you would cheer on for Minnesota or Chicago. But I don't know. I, was, I went with home state pride. I was always a Red Wings fan. Uh, and, and So until a Wisconsin team comes in, uh, I'm a Red Wings fan for hockey. And then MLS, I'm Minnesota United. Uh, because there's no Michigan or Wisconsin team yet, and I'll go to hell before I cheer for a Illinois team. Um, and then for Premier League, it's Leeds United, because Wisconsin coach. Uh, yes, yes. We, uh, we Wisconsinites, uh, um, current and former, are always very proud of our, uh, of our state's heritage a little bit. So there's usually an extra incentive to be paying attention, uh, especially if they're from Wisconsin. I don't know what it is. I feel like there, there definitely is some of that with a lot of people uh, from different states, but there's just something about people from Wisconsin. We love like we love tuning in for Wisconsinites. We love like seeing if anybody from Wisconsin's on doing anything, and you just we're like, yeah, he's from Wisconsin. You know, like I don't know. I feel like everybody's got their state pride, but Wisconsinites just carry it way more like on our shoulders a bit, which is. I don't know, it's good or bad. I've, I'm definitely pretty prideful of uh, Wisconsin. I love it. So, um, but yeah, no, those are. I mean, those are sensible, sensible picks. So, anyway, I think um, you know we've uh, we've chewed uh, chewed everybody's ear off a bit for this one. We I, they'll, they'll be shorter for sure. But I, I think I wanted to get a bunch of this stuff out of the way, and we'll get some yeah, at least a ball rolling on some of these extra topics and and, and whatnot. So. Um, we'll clean it up a little bit in these future ones, but yeah, um, we're going to try to do this at the end of the month. Um, and just like I said, just to recap some motorsport stuff, sports car related things, if you know, cause that's our main focus, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about anything, including non motorsport. So, uh, Chris, it was a pleasure, uh, pleasure having you as we do this, uh, this own thing ourselves here. Uh, any closing thoughts? Yeah. So next episode, uh, the focus will, of course, be it'll be basically our Petit Le Mans uh, preview episode. With, from what it sounds like, you'll be live at the at the circuit. Um, yes. Talking about the race, any sessions that happened, and maybe so far in the weekend, uh, point the point situation as that gets more clear, and then obviously some more LMDH LMH news uh, for IMSA and WEC. As we get more into, um, as we get more information about that, and also maybe dive into the hot topic of GT3 Plus that's been thrown around ever since that Lamar uh, press conference in June. It's got a lot of people riled up. But, oh, and uh, and, uh, and, uh, others, and other stuff in the motorsports world that has, does, has not happened yet. Yeah, um, and yeah. To be uh, like discussing, yeah, people will be knocked out with the NASCAR playoffs by then. So we'll talk about that. NASCAR updates, WC updates, IMSA updates, uh, SRO updates. Probably not. I don't know. 
all the updates that you possibly need we'll have it in the next episode and yeah it'll probably be uh, I'll, I'll probably have it live we might have another person on too um, at the track as well uh, we'll see we'll see um, just stay tuned and um, just be on the lookout like I said in about a month's time to see you know, the pop up but uh, for Chris uh, this is Austin that's been Cookie Monster FL uh, have a good one guys Kazoo!